What? Why? Why? Affirm. Tie down. I call this training tie downs for dummies. Okay. It is a perfect walk me through to get a commitment to an answer. So when we're talking about A, B, C players, we can level a little bit of the playing field with this. Anybody can do this. This is the Full Stack Sales Pro. We're about to have our second speaker of the day. All right, he's somebody you heard from a lot in the last, um, last convo, but he is our current director of sales over all EW and human brands. He's been in sales for nearly a decade and in high ticket for six plus years. Throughout his career, he sold more than 20 million in top line revenue. One of his biggest passions is teaching and coaching people in sales as, as it extends to all areas of life. Everyone, let's welcome Corey Jackson. Hey. hey. Thank you, thank you. So we're going to call this sales training, but I'm going to call this human being training because sales extends to all areas of everybody's life. So today we're going to be talking a little about sales. I'm going to start out by talking about how we get commitments to action for people, uh, as well as throw in the middle, what we call gap selling or creating, and then finishing with what we call resistance training. So I'm going to start out with my framework that I have all of my sales guys go through. What's really cool about sales is it's all predicated and dictated on human psychology. And what's even better about it is it hasn't changed that much in the past 2000 years. So um, we're gonna be able to kind of lean into that. So this is my acronym that I have all of my sales guys go through on their questions in their calls, regardless if they're an SDR, AE, setter, closer, whatever. It stands for what? It's the first W. Why? Second W, why, third W, affirmation, and then tie down. So we start with a what question, right? We have this what question baked into, I would imagine, pretty much everybody's sales cycle or process. What got you here? What got you interested in our product, service? What's the issue that you guys are having? What's the problem we're looking to fix? Whatever it is. We start with our what question. Okay. Now the answer that you're going to get on a what question is going to be surface level at best. <laughs> Reason being is we are pack animals. Human beings are. No matter how introverted you are, we rely on one another and we are pack animals. So subconsciously, whenever we answer a question, we always answer it with the broadest possible kind of casting of the net. Reason being is we're trying to create as many commonalities as we can with the person that we're talking to because we never subconsciously make the assumption that anybody understands where we are coming from. Okay, so we will always give a surface level answer at first, even with your friends, family, 
even if you talk to somebody, I'm sure if you guys have been on the phone in sales and you talk to somebody and somebody just pain dumps and they're just like, this is everything that's going on and they talk for like 10 minutes. Believe it or not, even all of that is on the surface. Surface is different for everybody, depending on their comfortability, depending on how high their guards are up, depending on their past experience, if they've been burned in the past, whatever. Surface level is going to be different for everybody. But the first answer that you always get on what is going to be the top level of the surface. Okay. After we do that, we need to move to our first why. This is going to be the first level that we get underneath the surface. It's still going to be pretty surface though. Okay. Um, but this is going to be where we start to understand how our prospect makes decisions and what is ultimately important to our prospect. When we were talking earlier about sales teams and people and motivation and all of that, this extends to all human beings. If we don't know why things are important, or if we don't know why people make the decisions that they make, we will have no influence over them at all. So we have to understand why. Okay, anybody have any questions on that so far? Cool. Then we move to our third question, which is a second why. Reason being is again, we need to get to the core reason as to why people make decisions. So we're gonna peel back the second layer of the onion and get a little bit closer to the core. When I write this acronym, I include two whys. Sometimes it's three, sometimes it's four, depending on the person that you're talking to. Also depending on the skill set of the person closing. When we get really good at asking questions, this will almost always be two. But until you have that skill set built, it could be three or four until we ask the right question. Now, when we get to this W, the way that we identify the real answer, the core answer, is we're going to hear a tone shift in the person that we're talking to. And it will be clear as day when you hear it. Okay. Um, one of my very first sales jobs ever was selling fitness. And we used to see it there like clear as day. <laughs> what is your goal? I want to lose 10 pounds. Okay. Nobody like whatever. Right. Why do you want to lose 10 pounds? Right. Uh, I want to feel more confident like I did when I graduated college. Right. Whatever. That's still not our core reason. It's like, okay, why does that really matter to you? And then I would hear the craziest real reasons ever. I caught my spouse looking at somebody else in the gym. Ooh. Okay. That's a real reason. And you'll hear it. So we have to pay attention to it. So once we get our second W here and we hear our real reason why, then we need to affirm them. So an affirmation is going to start with, so if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying blank, blank, blank. Okay. Anybody know why this affirmation is important? hundred percent. Why is it important for us to build trust? Yep. Nobody will buy anything from you unless they know, like, or trust you. Ideally all three. Okay. So here the affirmation is trust. Okay. 
And then we move into our tie down. A tie down is a commitment to action. Now, almost everybody stops right here. And they don't get the tie down. So the difference between affirmation and tie down is tie down is a commitment to the action to fix the problem. Okay. I can understand that I have a weight issue, but the tie down is getting the commitment to go to the gym and do the dieting. Okay. Does anybody have any questions on that? That is a huge differentiator between the two. Huge, huge, huge. What you got? I took your mic. I'm sorry. Go for so, it. If you're selling a business coaching program, would the question be, so you're committed to building the business with or without us? Is that, or is it? More specific, you're committed to utilizing social media, like what you actually do to grow your following and sell a high ticket program. Are you committing them to like the behaviors or like your actual methods of what they'll be doing, posting every day, doing sales calls, DMing people? How, how detailed do you get on that tie down? What, what elements do you want them to actually commit to? Whatever is causing their problem. Okay, so we're not going like granular into the program. No, so the tie down is going to be, are you willing to do the efforts, monetary investments, whatever it is to fix this problem? Okay. What's really interesting about human psychology, since I had just talked about it and not changing for 2000 years, is I can actually tell somebody that these five questions are coming in a row and exactly what I'm going to lay out, and it'll still work. It's pretty unbelievable. Who wants to be my participant to show? Cool. You got a mic, brother? All right, so I'm going to tell you. I'm going to start with a what question. I'm going to follow it with two why questions. I'm going to affirm your statement, and then I'm going to get you to commit to the actions to fix the problem, okay? Let's go. He's about to sell me. Let's go. Cool. What is your biggest goal you'd like to accomplish in the next 12 months? I'd like to get to a million dollars in premium on my insurance book. million dollars of premium. That's a pretty specific number. Why is it important for you to get to a million dollars? At a million dollars, on average of 20% gross, that's revenue off that million dollars in sales. It puts me at 120000 which would allow me to get the team members I need to be able to start actually scaling the company. Hmm. Okay. So 120 is going to give you the, the bullets necessary for the war, right? That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, I mean, why is it important for you to ultimately be in a position to scale? Like, why do you care about that? That's a really long and deep answer. Uh, it's an opportunity cost for me right now. The faster I can get a team in place, I can focus on the activities that are going to make the company grow which will then allow me to then hire people that can manage the growth, which then allows me to start launching other verticals as well. Okay. So if I'm hearing you correctly, without having the $120,000 of resources, you ran an internal CBA and are starting to realize how much money you are missing out on, on the scale by not having those things. Is that right? hundred percent. Cool. Are you willing to do all of the effort and things necessary to get to that million dollars of premium 
have the 120,000 so you can ultimately scale your business. A thousand percent. Cool. That's how it works. What, why, why affirm tie down. I call this training tie downs for dummies. Okay. It is a perfect walk me through to get a commitment to an answer. So when we're talking about A, B, C players, we can level a little bit of the playing field with this. Anybody can do this. Doesn't have to be high ticket sales. <laughs> this can be how you get people to commit to a, a dinner. How many of you guys have flaky friends? Yeah. <laughs> That's why I call this life training. So we can use this to even set appointments or dinners or meals or hangout times or whatever, right? Because I can understand the problem. I can understand why it's important for you to fix it. And then I can tie you down to the effort to get it fixed. Okay. Does anybody have any questions on this? Yeah. What you got, Big Don? Is this something that could also be used for a setter to tie down an appointment? hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, are you willing to show up to get the information you need to solve your problem? Yeah. Are you sure? Are you hundred percent? Yeah. Okay, cool. And you guys have a ton of what questions that you guys are asking. What is your goal? What got you interested in what we're doing? What is causing this problem? What's on the other side of not fixing it? We have a ton of what questions. What's your timeline? And then we can follow it with these four questions every single time. Does anybody have any questions on this? Cool. Here's an important part of this. We have to create a little bit of affirmation in between each question, which I did, right? Where I was like, okay, you're looking to get to the 2 million, right? And I'm, pretend, I'm not pretending, but I'm showing you that I'm listening. Because without that little affirmation, this is going to feel like an interrogation. <laughs> if I'm just, what is your goal? Why is that? Why is that? Right? So we need a little bit of those affirmations in the middle to soften up our questions. So that it feels more like a dialogue. That is really important to this. But the framework, even without the affirmations, will work. Anybody have any questions on this? Yeah, one? No? You don't have to. <laughs> cool. All right. So I'm going to move to my next one here. If you, yeah, what you got? Question guy today. Ask away. So the natural next thing in my mind when you were taking me through that process was there was an if that I didn't state, right? Because there's the if it works part, right? Like, yes, I'm willing to do that if. So do you, at what point do you introduce this part or this tie down framework into the sales conversation? Yeah, that's, I, that was my question too. And it, just to add on, like, it, it depends. It depends how much it costs. So same kind of thing. Yeah, I'm committed. It depends though. If there's a, they want to know well, what's involved. I don't know the details yet. I don't know how much it's going to cost me. So similar Similar question. Gotcha. So if for whatever reason this cost was not something you were interested in, you're okay continuing with your problem? Can you say that again? 
I said, if this costs more than what you are interested in, are you okay continuing with your problem? Okay, which leads me, man, y'all are great. Lead me right down the yellow brick road in terms of what I'm gonna talk about next. I'm talking about gaps next. So, if you're taking notes, would love for you to draw this. This is the easiest way that I have found to visualize. All right. So when we are selling or closing or talking to people or trying to affect influence or anything, we need to understand two things. We need to understand first where they are now, just like Heather was talking about with the GPS analogy. We also need to know where it is that they are going. But there's a gap between now and between the goal. So we need to ask what are called gap growing or gap identifying questions. Anybody have any idea, based on the five questions that I just walked you through earlier, which ones are our gap questions? Anybody know? Why? Absolutely. Why? Because, and the reason why I draw it like this for the visualization, especially because salespeople, and I will speak as a salesperson, we're pretty much good at one thing, and that's it. Other than that, we're kind of single track minded and not really good at anything else. <laughs> um, so, the reason why I draw it like this is where they are now, there's a reason why they are not at their goal. Okay. Now, here's the tricky part. What's uh, what's people's like offer price? Just shout out one. Forty-eight hundred. Cool. So our job on the call. This is all just so you guys know with the big asterisk of this being a good fit for our prospect. Okay, we don't sell people things they don't need. But here's the trick on our gap. If you ever have somebody that says, no, maybe I need to think about it. I'm not sure if this is the right thing for me. Whatever excuse you're going to get in the book, the way that my bank account works, got the checking, the savings, or whatever, right? Um, that means that what you, the gap that you created with the person is less than $4,800. And you're trying to fill a $4,800 or a $1,000 gap with a $4,800 product. So if you have really skilled closers that get their tie downs and everything like that, but they don't create a gap, where you'll see this is buyer remorse and an instant refund within like 48 hours, okay? That is caused directly by this, directly. So we need to create a gap that is larger than our ticket price. OK, 
Because if I have a $10,000 gap and I'm filling it with a $4,800 product, people are going to be like, oh, it's only $4,800? Yeah, absolutely. That's rock and roll. I thought this was going to be like an arm and a leg and my blood type and firstborn kid or whatever, right? That means that we have a first, like we have a big gap. Okay. This is really important. So one of the things that I like to do is a little bit of a CBA on a phone call with somebody because I need to make sure that they know that their gap is bigger than my price. Cost-benefit analysis. Um, but also, a big mistake that salespeople make is just because I know the answer, the reason why I ask questions is because I need them to know that I know the answer. Okay? Because people would rather rise to your expectation than be viewed as dishonest. So they would rather not go back on their word, <laughs> which means that we need to understand what their gap really is. So the way that we can do that through, you guys are doing lead gen and those kinds of things, right? You're 4,800, what's your offer? I help type one diabetics. Perfect. So if they don't do that, what happens? Do they have to go to the hospital usually? Medical bills, anything like that? It differs greatly based on insurance they have as far as the actual cost, but yes. Okay. And then would you say that like dying prematurely is potentially worth more than 4,800 bucks? So that's the gap that we need to build, right? If it's a monetary thing, lead gen, right? Lead gen, we can turn around immediately into dollars. If it's sales consulting, if it's you know something where it has a hard ROI, we need to show them exactly the amount of money that they are missing out on by not having your service. If it's not a direct ROI, like yours, we need to show them the consequences of not fixing that problem. And would they rather invest in themselves to avoid a future problem based on the gap, or are they willing to just run into the fire knowing that it's there? Anybody have any questions on that? Um, Corey, what point do you start to share some of those insights where you don't start taking over the call? You know, we're selling, we're teaching them, you know, a personal trainer how to sell a $3,000 program. So if he doesn't sign up and he's not enrolling 10 people a month, He's missing out on $30,000 or $360,000 a year. Then we play that out over five years. Yeah, he's missing out on a couple million bucks in a five to 10 year window. So what point do you ask them? Are you aware of what this is costing you? Are you, or you know what I'm saying? When you get them to see, holy crap, get them to see that. I call it ignorance tax. <laughs> yep. Cost of inaction, yeah. 100%, good question. So I do it when I identify these things. which is very early in the call, right? What are you doing now? What's going on? How are you working as a trainer? Is it just in the gym? Are you working independently? Do you have an Instagram page? You're training people at home? Like, what are you doing now, right? Why on earth would you want to go online, right? Would you want to scale? Are you looking to be able to sell higher ticket packages? Do you want to make more money? Okay, so let's talk about making this really measurable, right? What, what is your goal income right now? Like if you were able to get to a place where you were selling to two, two three, four thousand dollar packages, what would you be making? 
you know, he says 300,000, right? Or whatever. Say, like, cool, man, that's an incredible goal. Would you feel comfortable with that goal? What would change in your life if you hit that goal? All those kinds of things. Cool. How close are we to that now? I'm only at 100,000. Okay. So by not moving into the two $3,000 packages, we're missing out on, would you say around 200K a year? Yeah. How long are you planning on being a trainer for? Is this just like the next couple of years and then you switch? You want to be a trainer for a lifetime? What does that look like? 10 years. Okay. So by not making this adjustment, we're looking at about a $2 million loss. Is that fair? Yeah. How do you feel about that? So that's how I'm going to build that gap. What you got, Sam? What do you say after, how do you feel about that? And they're like, obviously it doesn't feel great. Where do you go after that? So, I mean, would it make sense to potentially look at a solution where you could get to that income goal? So you get the yes. And then what? Well, then depending on where I'm at in discovery, I either continue to uncover or I move into like, what that would actually look like. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, sometimes people will dump pain really early in discovery and salespeople will shortcut the process. Don't do that. <laughs> if they tell you all of the reasons why it's a perfect fit for their product, make sure that you still give them the courtesy of taking them through the entire process so that we can service them at the highest level. So how do you balance the um, ROI aspect versus the life, like the lifestyle emotional aspect of, of when you create the gap. Is it like, so it's just individual. Yeah. What, what do you mean? So I have a, a $30,000 SaaS product, right? So the guys that are already buying it are financially, they're good. Like it'll increase their sales, but it's not like something that's like going to keep them up at night. So it's almost like a lifestyle that they, they're not super aware of yet. Like they don't have to not miss dinner and take a phone call. Right, the, urge, the urgency isn't ROI driven. That's just like attractive. It doesn't have to be ROI driven, right? Just like his product isn't ROI driven, but it's around the and then what goals, right? So just because somebody doesn't have an ROI goal doesn't mean that making more money or having an ROI can't ultimately help them attain their goal anyway, right? If I want to be more charitable, but I don't have enough money, my company needs to make more money in order for me to contribute to charity, right? Yeah, so I guess my, I, I didn't stay the very, so most of them, like, they'll talk about ROI as the thing that's important, but what they really need is the lifestyle is the big shift and win for them from the software. So why? Why is it? Yeah, why do they want the lifestyle? Why is that important? That's the hard part. I'm trying to get them to, like, realize they don't have to, they've always, they've always been grinders. So I'm trying to get them to realize that's, so our success stories have always been, hey, this is this has been its biggest benefit off the back end that I didn't know about. So I'm trying to help them realize that early. I would just ask it through questions. Just ask it through questions. Yeah. So like, hey, you've been a grinder forever, man. Are we just looking to grind it out until we're 85, or do you eventually want to take your foot off the gas and have some automations? Yeah. So I pose it as a sellable system as well. Like you can, you can just monitor it. So yeah. Um, and then if it's around time and lifestyle, those are going to be my gap questions. Right. Hey, do you, do you have kids? Do you have a wife? Are you married? Yeah. How many baseball games have you missed? Do you always get divorced? Right. Time. All of that kind of stuff. That's going to be my gap. Right. Yeah. And how many clients do you have now? Uh, so that product is seven, but I've got 20 on a wait list. So I would ask the seven above you, why did they buy? 
The only other thing that I would say on that for all seven people in order for you to enroll them, I hope to God you know why they bought the product. Well, they trust me. There you go. Yeah. So I would just make sure that you maximize that. Like, what did this do for you? Right. They trust you, of course. They're going to take your advice, but ultimately, why did they take it outside of the trust? Well, I'm already making them hundreds of thousands. Bingo. Yeah. So I'm trying to find the guy I'm not already making rich. You get them to say it. You get them yeah. to say it. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I would just because it's a like gap. A lot of people, you're absolutely right, man. Associate the gap with an ROI. That's not necessarily the case. It's whatever is important to that person and like what their goals are. Um, and if they have the goal around just grinding forever, then I'm gonna be skeptical like lean out and be like, are you sure about all this other stuff? <laughs> and make them either say yes or no. Right. And then if they do say no, then that's going to be the rabbit hole to go down. Um, if they say yes, then, you know, they're acknowledging the problem. Any other questions on that? Yeah. So to be at this point in the conversation, there's a lot of assumptions that have to be made, right? Like they've consumed content, they know who you are, they're fully aware to some degree, I guess they would have to be, be on this call. The pre-framing, what do you do any discovery? Like I guess the why is your discovery process to get to the deeper motivations for purchase. Do you do any pre-framing to uncover potential objections early in the process to make sure that, because that, you're pitching after, I'm assuming that's, you're moving to the pitch soon, right? After this, all of my WWAT stuff is pre-handling objections. Okay, perfect. Yep. I was just curious. Yeah, that's my pre-handle uh, because I can hear them really early. Yes. Um, and then I can tie them down to the action and pre-handle the objection before I get to it. So when you pitch, it's a contradiction if they say no. Perfect. Exactly. Which is why I was saying people would rather rise to your expectation than be dishonest. Are you cycling through your what questions of, you know, what are you doing right now? Okay, cool. Why are you doing it that way? You know, and then once you get to the bottom, going back to another what question. So what's your timeline? So why is that timeline important to you? And then back up to another what thing. So you, you're just circling around the what's and the why's. Yep. Which is why the affirmations between the questions are oh, important. Right. Okay. Um, or it will sound like an interrogation. Yeah. Yep. Um, but when we get to our tie down based on whatever the tie down is, you will naturally have a really solid what question. So, hey, are you willing to do the work? Yes, cool. What's the timeline around doing the work? Why is that the timeline, right? That kind of stuff. Cool. Any other questions on that? Yeah, Scott. So in a typical sales call, I mean, are you guys doing multiple tie downs all along the way? And then you're leading into identifying the gap and essentially showing them why you solved that gap. Is that yep. kind of your process? I think that every like closing call should have four tie downs. Um, depending on how big the product or service is, you can get more than that. Five, six, seven tie downs. But four, I would say, is a minimum. Um, and the ones that you'll want to get for the most part are going to be like decision-making process. So if it's B2C, uh, where you'll run into that is like spouse, significant other. If it's B2B, are there shareholders, board, CFO, any of that kind of stuff, right? Um, you'll want to get timeline tie down. 
you want to get financial tie down um, and you want to get the I don't know how to fix this on my own tie down. Okay. As I, a love, I don't want to derail you from where you're going, but at the end of the Q&A, I would love to talk through some of the financial tie down side of things because doing that without, I feel like a lot of people can get, they don't like it when you start to dive into their financials, I guess is the question. And so tactically, I'd like to understand some of what you guys do. Yeah. I like doing my tie downs, uh, financial tie downs via goals versus like, what do you currently have right now? Right. What's your credit score? None of that kind of stuff. For us slower writers, can you repeat the four tie downs? Yeah. Time, like now. I want to get the now tie down. I'm looking to fix this right now. Uh, the next one is going to be decision making. So spouse, business partner, significant other, basically who's involved in that. And do they support you in it if there's other people? The finance tie down. Can you afford my product or are you willing to get resourceful to fix this problem? And then the, I don't know how to fix it on my own. That was before. Um, I feel like I keep m missing my order. <laughs> um, so the, I need to fix it right now. Decision-making process, spouse, significant other, whatever. Finances. In the, I don't know how to fix this problem on my own. I think so. Uh, with decision maker, is that you trying to say, hey, let's get them on the phone. Oh, they can't come on. Let's just get a second call then. Or is it like you saying, do they know what you're going through? Do they approve of that? They're probably just going to support you on this, right? And tying them down in the absence of their spouse. <laughs> Yeah, so the reason why I want to uncover it is either to know as early on in the call if I can push for a one-call close or if I can't um, because that will change the way that I go into the back half of the call. And then if it is a decision maker like CFO or spouse or whatever, one of my favorite questions to ask at the very end is like, Definitely want you to go talk to your wife or your husband or whatever. Absolutely. <laughs> like, don't want to, we're not in the business of ruining relationships, but, um, you know, I would I'm, have full faith that you could explain this perfectly, but I do it every day. Would it make sense for us to hop in all together? And that way they can ask me any questions that maybe you wouldn't know the answer to. That's my first one. If they say no to that, then I would say, Hey, no problem. Do you mind if I just hear really quickly how you're going to explain this program to your spouse? Because if it's terrible, <laughs> we can either give coaching or really push in like the, Hey, I want to make sure we're doing the best thing for you. It'd probably be best if your spouse, business partner spoke to me. Um, and then the very, very last one is if they don't, I'm going to provide coaching around, Hey, this is how I would frame this to your person or your significant other, your business partner or whatever. Because I do think that a lot of people go and say, hey, I spoke to this guy and they offered me a $10,000 program on blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, yeah, you're gonna get a no every single time, which is why we don't market like that. All right. So on that topic, is that 
part of the discussion after the pitch or do you hold off on the pitch until that spouse is on the phone? I go through the pitch. I usually don't price drop until I go through that because if I can have everybody on the phone, I'd rather price drop together. If I can't, then I'll price drop and provide coaching. And how would you frame that? So I've gotten to that place in the call where it's, oh, they, they want to be part of this decision. That's fine. Great. I support that. Uh, let's just get them on the phone. We'll schedule later. Okay. But I just need to know how much it is. And yeah. I just need to know. Yeah. That's a really good question, man. And, and there are a couple of different ways that we can help you, uh, rather than walking through every single program and offer that we had, I would just want to make sure that I can answer their questions and get you more of a prescriptive advice versus running through all the different things that we can do. Okay. Is that fair? Yeah. Cool. Thanks. But you said something really important that I have a kind of different uh, perspective on from I, I'm certified in entrepreneurial negotiation. And one of the things they talked about is the MIT program is the back table. So in negotiation, which is basically what this becomes, what you said, I think is really important. I want to make sure no one missed that was that you have to frame, you have to turn them into the salesperson. If they just go with facts and figures and miss all that emotional, you know, the foundation that you built with them, the why behind why they're making that purchase, that's not going to be communicated to the other decision maker. Their job is to be skeptical and protect them from a bad decision. So you have to give them the information necessary to present the same offer in a way that's going to be attractive to the person who they're going to present it to, mm -hmm. which I think is beautiful. So I just want to make sure no one missed that. I appreciate that. Um, to give a little bit more context to that, people always buy with emotion and validate with logic. Always. And when the person leaves that call and has to go communicate it to the business partner, spouse, whatever, the only side they're going to get is the logic. So they're not going to have any of that emotional buy-in during the call. Okay. One other thing, reason why I push as hard as I can to get everybody on the same call. This is one of my favorite sayings. Hear me now, believe me later on it. Um, the only objection we can't overcome. Anybody know? Yes. The only objection that we can't overcome is the one we never hear. Okay. So I want all of the objections out. I want to flush them out. I want them to tell me anything and everything that they have before that call ends. Because the only objection we can't overcome is the one we never hear. Okay. Cool. Questions on that? All right. Now my last thing here is around resistance training. This marker is pretty much dead, but resistance training. Okay. Uh, how many of you guys work out? Go to the gym. Cool. Um, what does resistance training do? Somebody want to raise their hand and answer? Keeps you from being old. Keeps you from being old. Come back stronger. That's the word I'm looking for. Resistance training provides people with strength. Right? Everybody agree with that? Oh, no, I'm good. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Um, provides people with strength. Now, salespeople, especially salespeople that are brand new to the game, are going to be super afraid of providing resistance during their sales calls. 
They want the yes man call. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, 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 this is great. Whereas a tenured salesperson, when they have that yes guy, is like, this is kind of weird. Why is this guy saying yes to everything? <laughs> and they get skeptical, right? So resistance training is going to be having your people institute resistance into their calls. Now, when we talked about being stronger, resistance training makes you stronger. Where do we want our clients or our prospects to feel the strongest? Bingo. Absolutely. When making a decision, which is usually at the end, which is usually around the close. Absolutely. So if the first time that our client or our prospect is experiencing resistance, if that is at the very end of the call, that is a problem, okay? For all of you guys that work out, how many of you guys have ever done like a maximum weight rep before? Imagine trying to do that without any warm-up. That's what we do to our prospects when we don't give them resistance throughout the call. It's like all of a sudden, no resistance, no resistance, maximum resistance at the very end around the biggest decision that they're going to have to make on that call. It's a problem, right? So we have to provide resistance throughout the course of the call. Now that is gonna come obviously through asking whys and really getting to the deep part of the call, but it's also gonna be saying like, hey, are you sure? Right, and like our sales mentor offer, uh, training people how to become you know, independent contract closers, those kinds of things. It's like, hey, this is a skill set you don't have right now. It's gonna require work time, energy, effort to learn this. Now, don't get me wrong, like the 20K a month is on the other side, but like, are you sure you wanna do this? And then I'm gonna hear a yes. When I hear a yes, they push through my resistance, which gives them more confidence. And then when I get to the very end, I want my confidence bar for those of you guys who play like video games or health bar or whatever. I want that thing to be maxed out. I want the most amount of confidence going into the very last part of my close. And I can't get that without providing resistance throughout the course of the call. So, hey, are you sure you want to do this? Like, this is going to be a big commitment. You sure you don't have anything better going on in the next 10 weeks? You want to do this? What that will also do is it'll plummet refund rate. Plummet. Because people are going to be bought in from the beginning of the call to the end of the call versus only getting closed on price. Does that make sense? You're teaching them how to be a great client too. Absolutely. I would ask a question like, you know, are you sure you're going to, we have a rule in our coaching program, run to us, not from us. It's the only rule we have when you're struggling in silence, you know, we can't help you. So will you promise to run to us when you're struggling? You're not going to go to isolation Island. You're not going to go dark on us. You're not going to hit the panic button. And they're like, and then you're, you're coaching. They're also getting, Oh wow, this is how I'm supposed to behave. So to follow up on that, where, what points of resistance do you like to get the most um, strength back from them? All my tie downs. Mm. So the, are you sure you want to invest? It's not a small amount of money. 
Yeah. I mean, we're going to be able to get you to that goal. Right. But like, are you sure that you want to do that? You know, it's going to take four or five years to get to the seven figure business, right? Yeah. You sure you don't want to go buy some crypto? Right. God, that's good. You sure you don't want to watch more Netflix in the evening time instead of work on your business? Yeah. <laughs> Game of Absolutely. Thrones just came back out. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Corey, we have a question from Facebook from oh, Sonny. Nice. He wants a little bit of clarity on not giving the price if there's another decision maker involved. Yeah. So if it's a spouse or a business partner or a significant other or something like that, um, the reason why I don't want to give the price is because they can't validate anything with logic without the price. So I'm forcing, I'm also like holding a carrot a little bit for all of the decision makers to be on the call. So that's gonna be able to provide some incentive on attendance, but also we wanna make sure that like we can actually give context to a number. A lot of people when they hear a number, they just like go blind and they have no idea what that number means, how people got there, what on earth it even is. Um, so I want to withhold that to be able to provide context first and then have walk them through the number of why we got there. Do you, do you feel like it's fair to say that's your leverage in the conversation at that point? You still have a bit of information they still want, so you still have some leverage in the game. The minute you give away the price, they get to formulate whatever logical conclusion as to whether it's validated or not to move forward on their own. And a lot of times their logic's flawed because you haven't had a chance to really unpack that with them by holding back the price or any objection for that matter that you can't overcome in a time. Do you, is, it, is, is stakeholder the only thing that you hold back price on? Or do you, do you uncover objections you can't get past and you decide, hey, once we get to a place where we can move forward, then we'll talk through price. Yeah, because like if I can't get through objections around price, like the product doesn't matter. The price of the product doesn't matter. It could be a dollar, it could be a hundred thousand dollars. If they're not bought into the problem being fixed, like the price is irrelevant. So I hold on to that to like the very, very end. But I kind of use it as leverage a little bit, but I more so use it so that I can hear all the objections. All right. It's not necessarily like I'm using it as incentive, although it is. I'm using it to make sure that I can hear everything from a prospect perspective. That's more of why I, I dangle that. Yeah. So are you going through, are you going through like the pitch and uh, like for us, we frame it as the plan, right? Where we're going to walk you through. Do you go through that and just leave out the price or is it like, Hey, I got a few more questions for you when your spouse is on, but we'll go through the plan on that call and then walk to exactly what it looks like. Are you holding back the entire pitch yeah so um it does the like a lot of this is dependent on the person you're talking to like i wish people were as linear as like we're talking about they're just right. not right um but it does depend a little bit if somebody's like my spouse will support me in anything i do i just need to like tell them what it is then i will absolutely walk through the plan this is what we're going to do and then i won't price drop just to make sure that they don't have any questions on the plan um and then i'll price drop uh, but if it's, if it's something where like this, I can tell the spouse is really skeptical or like every once in a while too, you'll be like, my spouse doesn't even know I'm on this call. Right. It's like, well, er, I'm cutting everything right there. It's like, nope, I can't help you if you don't have a support system at home, but you need to go talk to that person first and then let's talk. So it depends a little bit. You have to have some behavioral flexibility around that. Can you share some more examples of how you build resistance? Yeah, sure. 
Um, so if my resistance around like my tie downs, right? If it's like my now tie down, right? I'm talking to somebody, they've been dealing with a problem for six months. My resistance is, hey, like, are you looking to fix this now or do you want to wait another six months? Because we don't have to do this right now. No, no, I want to do it now, right? Why do you want to do it now? Okay. Um, if it's my spouse tie down, like, are you sure that your spouse would want you to make more money and have more time for them? Are you sure? Because they may have escape when you go to your nine to five. Ha 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 ha. Right? Um, if it's my, I don't know how to do this on my own. Like, well, I mean, why wouldn't you just hop on YouTube and spend, you know, 400 hours doing research to figure this out? Why wouldn't you want to learn from somebody who's doing it at the highest level already? Like, are you sure you want to do that? Yep. So I build that resistance and confidence the whole time. So at the very end, it's like, okay, I've got all my levers. I can just pull. Good question. Anybody else have any other questions? No? Cool. So we'll just do a little Q&A here. What you got, big guy? Um, when you offer the price, you present the solution. You say, all right, where do you want to go from here? Well, I want to hear what you got. Okay, cool. You always offer one offer. And then we talked about that yesterday. You don't pitch it. You know what offer they need based on your discovery. So um, when you present the price, are you just going for one pay? Hold it, see what they say to try and get the paid in full, or you ever go the preferred close. So we got two options: you can pay in full, or you can do two easy payments of. Pay in full always comes first. So you don't even yeah. Yep. Because if it's a payment plan or something like that, that's really that's a logistical. They're bought in. They just need to make the logistics work, right? If it's not that, that's where I get to flush it out right there. Because if I give a price. And then they say, yeah, that sounds great. I need to think about it. You know, and they don't ask me for a payment plan. They're not in a buying pocket. Okay. If they do ask me for a payment plan, what I will do is I will single out the problem so that now I only have one solution to fix. Okay. So if I was like, Hey, it's 9,800. Like, well, do you have any payment plans or something like that? Like, yeah, I mean, sometimes we can do that. But before we go down that rabbit hole, are you sure 100% this is what you want to do? We just need to make the logistics work? Once he says yes, I now have one problem. Logistics. That's it. If I can solve the logistics problem, they're coming in. Okay. But if they're not asking me for a payment plan, and they say, hey, I need to go think about it, or those kinds of things, then my favorite to the I need to think about it objection is totally understand where you're coming from. Absolutely. In my experience, though, time doesn't really help us make decisions. Information does. What kind of information do you need to help get across the line? And to that point, do you teach or coach your guys on the differentiation between a smokescreen and our true objection? 100%. Yep. That's really critical because I need to think about it isn't actually an objection. Nope. Which is why I think your why questions are so important. Absolutely. Yeah. And just challenging it too, going one step further. Hey, no problem. Think about it means you need information. What information do you need? Well, I don't need anything. Okay. So just magically over the course of the next 48 hours, you're going to have a decision. 
Like, what do you need? What's the thing holding you back? One, one little thing too, just to, just to throw in there on the spouse thing or the uh, stakeholder decision maker. Um, I like to ask the question, what do you hope they say? I go one further sometimes with yeah. a spouse and I say, what if they say no? Love that. That's cool. Because it crubs them on the other side. Yeah. Especially if it's an ROI product. Sometimes if they say no, you cool just missing out on the 30 grand a month. Dude, I used to be I used to be ruthless back early, early, early. <laughs> I'd be like, yo, like, come on, man. We're talking about this kind of decision. I used to get into like, did you, did your wife ask you the last time she bought a pair of shoes? Like, I was awful. So this is a much better direction. <laughs> <laughs> Kyler, what you got? Sunny wants to know if it's more of a gut feeling if you know you have enough tie downs to present the offer. Um, if I have enough commitment from the prospect, yeah. Uh, so every offer will be a little bit different. If it is a huge, robust, gigantic offer that helps like multiple angles of the business or person or whatever, uh, the amount of tie downs that you'll need would be different than like a smaller offer, mid ticket offer, those kinds of things. Uh, so it is a little bit of a gut feeling, but the bigger the offer, the bigger the package, the bigger the service impact, whatever, usually the more tie downs you'll need for that. What you got, Corby? Uh, the think about a question. Uh, one of the things I like to use when people say, I want to think about it. And you say, well, what exactly do you want to think about? One of the things I use is I say, do you want to think about the product or something else? So if you can get them to juxtapose what they want to think about. So let's say we're selling, I don't know, HQ or something. So would you like to think about the product or would you think about the amount of money or time investment that you're going to need? See, when you can isolate it, they're going to say something like, the first stall they're going to use is they're going to say, um, I need to think about everything. Well, what I've learned over the years from being, you know, helping so many people is if you have to think about everything, generally you're going to think about nothing. And what's going to happen is when you turn on the TV, I'm gone. And you're never going to call me back again. So why, not, why don't we think about it and get all the answers you need right now so that when you do think about it, you know what you're thinking about. Does that make sense? You know what? I don't make decisions on the first day either. That's why I go for a second date. So let's just you know, schedule another call so I can get you to information that you need. Because I always say this, bam, fam, book a meeting from a meeting. And if you don't book a meeting from that meeting, you essentially are out of business. If your dentist ever lets you walk out of his dentist's office without your six months to come back, your teeth are going to be dirty because you're not going to remember in six months. Right? So... You never let a person get off the call without another meeting booked. So if they say, okay, I don't make decisions on a whatever first call, I say, great. Do you have a really nice pair of shoes you own? Do you have a really nice purse? Do you have a really nice fishing pole? Do you have a really nice pool stick? I ask them something. What's a really expensive thing that you purchased before? Oh, well, I purchased this really nice, you know, uh, Kevin Van Dam fishing pole for $1,000. Great. How long did you think about purchasing that? Well, I was at Dick's and I saw and I had the money, so I bought it. So did you think about that for a week? They say, they're going to say no. Great. So why would we waste a week thinking about it? If it's only a thousand to get the fishing pole, let's put a thousand down now. And if you change your mind, I give you money back. But if you like what you hear and it makes sense, we can continue to move forward with the journey and figure out the rest later. So do you want to start now or you want this problem to continue lingering? Because what I've learned is if I don't take Advil, I'm going, to keep, I'm going to keep my headaches. 
And based on our conversation, you clearly have a headache. And I clearly have the Advil. So if you, are you going to let me solve your pain? Or are you going to remain? They always say, um, well, let me uh, think about it. Think about staying in pain or thinking about getting relief. Which one you want? They usually go, oh, well. And my personal statistics since 2000, I keep really detailed statistics of every sales call I've ever done. I'm at 64.5%. Closing products more than 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, $150,000. But the purpose is, is you want to make sure when they hang up that phone, either you got another appointment or you solve all their issues so that when you get back, you know what you're going to be solving. So I use a method called tension-based selling. So let's call this the midline. I don't know if the people on the camera, so I'm going to just do like this, right? So anytime the conversation gets 10% in either direction away from the topic, I always bring it back to the topic. So here's a secret I give to everybody right now. You never talk about anything on a sales call that you can't fix. So if I'm trying to sell, let's say, Corey, and he says something like, well, I got real bad foot pain and I can't walk around at the office and da-da-da. I'm like, oh, man, that sounds crazy. But tell me what your business day is like. Because I can't solve his foot pain. I'm not a podiatrist. But a lot of times we go down the rabbit hole with our clients about something that has nothing to do with what we're selling. And then when we do that, guess what happens? They go, well, when I fix my foot pain, I'll call you back. But you created that grave for them because you gave them a way out. So with tension-based selling, you never give them a way out. So they're in the conversation the whole time. And so when you keep them in the conversation, you have a better chance of solving the situation because they're in a situation where they're in desperation. And if your preparation is right, you can change it forever. Make sense? Thanks. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Any other questions on sales? Yes. Uh, do you price anchor? So for example, I used to go in and say, hey, look, to work one-on-one -on -one with me, it's X, but I don't think you need that kind of attention. Pretty sure we're just fine tuning and just finding the final puzzle pieces. Small group coaching is a better option for you. I recommend this, it's this price. But I stopped doing that. I didn't know if it was working or not. Um, I mean, you can for sure. I want to build enough value that no matter what price I say, they're ready. So like I want my gap to be so big that whether I'm selling an 80K product or an $800 product, <laughs> it doesn't matter. The closed transition. What do you want? Why do you want it? Right. I want to confirm that I heard what you said was true. This is what you want to solve. And are you committed to doing it now? I'm ready to rock and roll or we get to some level of that conversation, what kind of cool transitions are you using to just move it right into the, the, the transaction, start having them pull the ball it out? Yeah, so my favorite is I have them ask me for the price. So I get to the very end of the call and I say, hey man, does this sound like what, what you're looking for? Everything that's gonna solve your problem, blah, 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 blah. Get a yes. So what do you wanna do from here? Well, what does it cost? Oh, yeah, good question, man. So to work with us and our team based on, you know, your need to be able to help solve, you know, the $80,000 a month that we're missing out on is 10K. I love that. I love that. And you go right into the assumption of how you're going to pay today or... Yep. Any other questions? Cool. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate it.